Well, what's up, everybody? I hope you're doing great and having a wonderful weekend. And thank you so much for those of, you know, the, the round of applause and the standing and the gifts uh, for the pastor appreciation. We really appreciate it. That's so nice. You know, it's always nice to, to be encouraged and know that, you know, you're having, in, having a positive impact on the people around you for Jesus. And so thank you. Like, we love what we do and we love you guys. We love our church and our community and we hope that it shows. And so we just thank you so much uh, for all of that. And, and for those of that are new to Grace Churches, this is your you know, first time or you've been coming for a little bit, thank you uh, for your willingness to come and check our church out. If you've come over the last couple of weeks, uh, my name is Aaron Olinsky. I'm the lead pastor. Over the last few weeks, I've been in Guatemala. Uh, I, I led a, a medical and dental missions trip and, uh, from, with people from our church and some other friends of ours, and we'll be sharing updates and pictures and videos. We're kind of putting a, uh, them all together now, so we'll give you some information on that coming up soon. Um, but I'm excited about what God has for us for the rest of the month of October, uh, because we're going to be doing a series on money. Uh, we're going to be talking about money, and right now, you know that we're talking about money, and you had some type of reaction. You know, so those of you that probably have your, your financial house in order, you're, you're feeling okay about the fact that we're going to be talking about money. But for, for those of you that maybe don't, you're wondering, oh man, like how terrible is this going to be? Uh, and here's the deal. It's not going to be terrible. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to go at the, the, the aspect of money from a different approach. Uh, a lot of this influence is from Dave Ramsey, Ramsey with Financial Peace University. If you've heard about him, he's written numerous books. He speaks worldwide. He's, he's an expert on money. And so we pulled several things uh, from things that he was teaching. And one of those is absolutely scripture. You, we have to understand that the Bible and God has a lot to say about finances, a lot to say about money. And people automatically go, yep, the, God says, you know, you're supposed to give all your money. And, and it's like, here's the deal. Whoa, 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 time out. Does God talk about offering and tithing and giving? Absolutely. But that's not it. There's so much more. There's aspects about spending and saving and managing and investing. And there's so much in scripture that talks about finances. It's not just about the giving, but the giving is a piece. You know, it's a part of it. And here's what we've got to understand with all of the scripture in the Bible that talks about finances. Here's what we've got to get. It works. It works works. And so if you're one of those people that you realized that I was going to be talking about money and you were thinking, oh, wow, this, the rest of this month is going to be on money. I won't be coming next week or the week after that. So if that was you, like I get it, I understand, but I'm going to challenge you a little bit to open up your mind and open up your heart to maybe just a, a different perspective on what God wants to say. Because here's why from my heart, like as your pastor, I want this for you. Like, I don't want this, you know, to, to, to afford, you know, to, to have money in the budget for the church. Or th like, that's not what this is about for me. This is, I want these principles for you to understand what God speaks over us regarding finances. The peace that you long for in your finances, oftentimes even the security that we're trying to find, that can only be found by applying biblical principles that God gives us on spending. Because if you look around you um, uh, and the people in your life, whether it's family or friends or coworkers or even the other people here in this church, some people have a little bit of money. Like a little bit, we would look at our finances and you know, we, we would say, oh, like I don't have that much. And some people have a little bit more. Some people have a lot. Some people have had a lot and lost it all. 
I mean, how many stories of business owners have you heard, like where they had, everything was working out great, they had you know, real estate, and all of a sudden, the real estate crash happened in 08 and 09, and they lost it all. Like, I've heard so many stories of, of that example and plenty of others. But here's the reality. We don't want to be that person, right? We're looking, we want to have wealth, we want to have affluence, but we don't want to lose it all, right? Are you kidding me? That's, that's, tor- that's terrible. That's so hard. And so anytime, you know, you talk about scripture and you talk about money and, you know, I, I've, I've, one thing that they all have in common is they do not want to die alone. So here's what I want to encourage you. There is nothing wrong with having riches, but we don't want to die alone in having all those, having that wealth. And so what, what happens sometimes when people gain wealth is they just get messed up. We get messed up in the head. We get messed up in our heart and our emotions. And we, just, and we don't want our kids to get messed up, right? Sometimes if you have wealth, you, 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 that influence kind of gets passed down to your children. And so whether it's wealth by earning or investments or inheritance or by selling, you know, by working hard and selling, or, you know, be, so, uh, oftentimes people in families that have wealth, if there are kids that also have that wealth and they're rich kids, rich kids have something in common. They all are either really messed up or they're actually really pleasant to be around. Uh, they, they, they actually can be amazing and use that wealth and influence in positive ways, or they're really just having a hard time and they can't handle it. That's why there are trust funds, right? That's why there's limitations on payouts. That's just the reality because kids that gain inheritances, they, they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to handle it. I mean, I've taught my sons that we can have money and have finances and have you know, wealth and not be spoiled, Right? And not act spoiled. Like it's okay to have nice things. It's okay to have money. But, you, but the way that you act is extremely important because there's plenty of rich kids out there that they smoke pot and they use drugs. They break into cars. They, 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 they're, 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 they get caught during burglaries and their, their family has plenty of money. Like they had no reason to be doing that, but they just get messed up. And oftentimes they're on reality TV. You know, if we're just being honest, that's just kind of the deal. We, we watch them and we, and we just see and, you know, their life and just kind of how it explodes and implodes at times. And, and so here's what I want to share. Like we need biblical counseling, biblical scripture, and to not only just know it and hear it on a Sunday morning, but literally to take it and to apply it in our life. Because right now, if you don't feel like you have a lot, I want to encourage you. I'm going to help you. God's going to help you to understand the principles to go from broke to affluence. And so there's no magic formula, but we've got to look at scripture and we've got to take it and apply it. Because there are patterns regarding wealth. There are absolutely patterns. And so the first pattern that, that we understand is usually when we get money, whether it's by paycheck or you know, something like that, you work and you get your check at the end of the week or by, by monthly, however it works for you and your employment. Usually, if we don't have a lot of money, we focus on the immediate first. So the pattern is immediacy, the urgency. What do I have to take care of right now? What bill is overdue? What bill is coming up tomorrow? What bill do I have to pay? I have to pay my rent or my mortgage. I have to pay, I have to buy groceries for my kids. I have to pay my utilities so the water doesn't get turned off. And then what happens is we fo- we're focused so much on the immediate and the now that we end up spending it all and it's gone. 
at the end of the week, right? Friday's paycheck came and it's gone by, fr- by Friday evening and you know it and, and your heart sinks and you're going, I need next week's paycheck. And, and sometimes people get into that unhealthy cycle of needing and living that way. It's like running on a hamster wheel and, and accomplishing nothing and going nowhere. Now, do we, do we need to take care of our family first? Absolutely. No, no doubt about it. God commands us to do that, right? To provide for our families and to pay the bills and, and to do those things, to buy groceries, uh, to pay our mortgage and utilities. Absolutely. God, God ve- is very clear that we're supposed to do that. But here's one of the principles that I want to share with you that we've got to get. And along with paying those bills and, and managing them, managing the immediate, one of the things that we have to learn is to LOL. And I'm not talking about laugh out loud. I'm talking about live on less. In fact, I need you to get this so much that I want you to repeat it after me. You ready? One, two, three. Live on less. One more time, nice and loud. Live on less. Wherever you're at, whatever amount of money you make annually, I'm challenging you to live on less. And how do you do that? We start by making wise financial decisions now, right now, here in this moment, here in this movie theater, here in our life. Start making wise financial decisions now. And so several of the steps that I'm going to talk about are absolutely in scripture. And the first one that we have to do is to get out of debt. This comes from Proverbs 22, verse 7. It says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. And the thing that's interesting is when you look at this scripture in Proverbs, this is very much like a chain. When, 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 when scripture talks about bondage, right? The rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant. That means that he's a servant. He's a slave in bondage to the person that you borrowed from. It's just like this heavy chain that's rusty, and you, it's, the, it's a weight that you just can't bear. You can't carry, that's the bondage, that's the, the weight that, that's experienced in, in somebody who is living a life of borrowing. And so here's what we've got to do. We've got to get out of debt, right? That chain just gets so heavy. So how do we get out of debt? You might need to sell some stuff. You might need to, you have some things in your life and, and your debt is overwhelming you and, and, and you've got to sell some things. You've got to get rid of some things and you might, be, you might be upside down in some of that stuff, but you're paying for it and you're continuing to be upside down. So why don't you get rid of it and then work your way out of being upside down? You might also need to work hard. I mean, let's just, let's just be realistic about it. You might need to work hard. You, you're going, but I am working hard. Okay, I get it. But you might be working 40 hours a week and you maybe just maybe need to get another part-time job. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat this, right? You probably need to sell some stuff. You maybe need to work another job. But the biggest thing that I want to share with you as your pastor is there, we have to break the bondage of debt. And that's the chain. And that's exactly what the Lord wants us to experience, to break that chain that's holding us down and holding us back. Because many of you are held down by the bondage of debt. And it is choking you. And so we've got to take the steps to get rid of that debt. The second thing that we need to do, this one is very, very practical, and it's just simply we need to get on a budget. Uh, some of you maybe are on a budget. Uh, current statistics say about 40, 40% uh, of Americans are on a budget and live by it. Um, but here's what it says in Luke chapter 14, verse 28. It says, but don't begin until you 
count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? And so, very plainly, a budget is simply a plan, right? Oftentimes, you know, people talk about budgeting, and we see it as this constraint. I don't see it as a constraint at all. At all. I see it as a plan in making projections to move for the future. Now, a budget is not actual money. A budget is a plan. It's setting up parameters to live by. And so I just want to encourage you to spend less than what you make. When you lay out a plan, you set out your annual income, and, and your, your expenses should be less than what you make. And so what that means is you can't buy the stuff that you want all the time. It means you might not just be able to eat out as much as you currently are. And here's why. If you do this, if we're able to apply this in our life, what happens is this amazing, beautiful thing takes place. And it's a word that we call margin where you make an actual income, and that's 100%. And if you spend less, then you're not spending all of it. And the word margin is there's a little bit extra left over. And that's where we get to number three. So if you're able to take number one and number two, you get to number three, and that's where we start saving money. And in Proverbs 21, verse 20, it says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. One of the most scary statistics that I've heard about finances in America is that for every dollar that we Americans make, we spend $1.27. So that's 27% over, maybe it's not that exactly, forgive me on my math, all of you engineers, but you, you, we're spending 27 cents more than what we're actually making. So we have to live on less. We have to spend less. We have to know what we're making, know what we're spending. And so we start to have a plan, and then we realize that there's a little bit extra. By living on less, there's a little bit extra. There's a little bit of margin. And then when we have that margin, there's a little bit of a buffer there. We can start and begin looking to the future. I mean, think about, instead of living in the urgency and the immediacy of now, imagine if you got to the place where there's a little bit extra, and you can start projecting and looking into the future. Right, seeing what's coming, understanding that at one day, sometime, your washing machine will break. It will. It's inevitable. It's going to break. You know, and I know there's all these conspiracy theories that they break it faster now than they used to before, and that might be true, but it's going to break at some point in time. And so what are you going to do when it does? Whatever it is in your house or your car or your vehicle, the things that you have. And so we've got to save for our future for those things we need to take care of. We can begin saving for retirement and looking forward to future purchases. Having a Christmas fund that you save for every month so that way when December comes, you're not just swiping away and inserting the chips so you can buy the things that you want for your kids. No, imagine if you actually had a budget and you lived by it. Here's one of the things I want to share with you, and this was kind of a little bit of a punch in the stomach for me. Um, uh, uh, it was probably about 18 months ago. My oldest son was taking an economics class, right? It's part of education, part of high school. He has to do it, semester class. He was in the class, and he came home uh, one day, and he goes, Dad, did you know that if you take $1,000 and you invest it for 
all of your kids, if you take each child, you do $1,000 a year for that child from year one to 18, that if you, if you don't spend it and you don't use it and you get a, a decent return, decent you know, percentage of, 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 of return on that, that money, by the time that your child is 70 years old, depending on the, the average interest rate, I get it, but there will be approximately $1.65 million. And so here's my 16-year-old son looking at me going, dad, $1,000 a year for the first 18 years of our life. And then if we just leave it, by the time it's time to retire, we would be a millionaire. And so you can see, right, 16-year-old, just big eyes, being able to say the word millionaire, just was, it just rolled off his tongue so smoothly. And, and, and here's, here's what I told him. I said, man, that's awesome. Like, that is incredible. That's amazing. But we didn't do that for you. And what, the reason I share the story and what really gripped my heart was his next statement was, but you could do it for my younger brother. And I was like, wow, um, I'd give you a million dollars right now if I had it. Um, so I was part so proud of him, but also part so embarrassed on me um, because I hadn't done that. And you know, so the reason I share that story is because one of the most if not the biggest issue that we have with money is us. It's not anybody else. It's not your, your boss that you think should pay you more. It's us. We are often the problem when it comes to finances because we have negative thoughts, we have negative emotions for whatever reason, like we're taught, like we, maybe the home that we grew up in, maybe the influences from the outside that, that caused us to think a certain way, where, where maybe you find yourself saying things like, I haven't been able to do that before, so I'm not ever going to be able to do that. You talked about saving money, are you kidding me? I've never been able to do that. We're never gonna be able to. What that is, is that's, that's a victim mindset. That's a victim mentality that you're a victim of something and that you're not going to be able to break free and break out of that. Or we go, gosh, you know, oh, I, I, I don't have the things that those people do. Can, you can see them when you talked about having a lot and having a little. I definitely have a little and I look at people that have a lot and we're never gonna have that. What that is, is that's a poverty mindset. You look at yourself and you're low income and you never will be able to break free if you allow that to consume your thoughts. And sometimes we just, we continue to say, well, what if I don't ever? What, what if I don't do those things? And what happens is when we realize that we almost become paralyzed by fear, the fear of the future and the decisions that we're making now. And so what that is, that's the chain of bondage that the enemy wants to have in our life. And here's what I want to share with you. For some of you, the devil has shared with you and you're convinced that you're impoverished. You have a poverty mindset. You're paralyzed by fear. He's convinced you. Anytime you think about money and finances and wealth, you automatically disqualify yourself. And that's not God. That's the enemy sharing those things. You compare yourself to other people. You, you, you always think that you're gonna be scratching and crawling and never be able to have enough. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to think. That's what he wants you to feel when you, when you think about finances. But here's what I want to share with you. We're not going to let him do that anymore. 
Like, I don't know where you are or what you want, but what I want for you is I don't want you to be held down by, like that, by that any longer. Like, so if you want this, it's available. It's incredible. It's transformative in your life. So here's what I want to share with you. Start, even if it's $25 a month, I got, and start. Put it in a savings account. Put it aside. Maybe it's $100 a month. Maybe it's $1,000 a month. Maybe you have a newborn, and I give you the statistic on $1,000, and you go, gosh, did that, are you kidding me? That'd be amazing. We, I'm so glad he said that. We need to do that. Start saving. And then for others of you, the devil wants you to continue to think that you're self-reliant. Some of you are, are struggling with less, and, but some of us have the struggle of having a lot. And the devil wants you to continue to think that you're the one that earned it all, that you don't really need God, that you made some great decisions, and you've applied these financial things already, and you got it going on. That's exactly what he wants you to think, thinking that you provide for yourself and that you get to keep it all. That's the exact opposite of what God wants, because saving is great. It's amazing. It's liberating. But we all need to experience number four, and that's when we give joyfully. And this comes from 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And so for me in my life, and maybe you, I feel like I get the opportunity to give. I feel like God has put things in my life, and I, like, I just, I'm a generous person. I just am. I just, I love to give things to other people. And so that's just, it, it fills me up. It gives me joy in my life. It gives me, you know, just fulfillment to bless other people. But he, here's, here's what we've got to understand. Giving is actually for our benefit. And I know that that's backwards, and you're kind of like, what? What does that mean? So out of our worship to God, we're able to be generous. Out of our adoration of him because he is, you know, the one true living God, we can give and serve and honor. And so God is the giver of every good gift that we have. And so we get to be the ones that are on that train and we get to be givers as well. Now, for some of you, it is out of obedience where you need to understand the principle of giving and how God commands us to do that. But also we give so we don't get stingy. So we don't get greedy. That's, that's really why God wants us to give. I mean, when you come down to it, the emotional tie-in to finances, God does not, not want us to be greedy. And so I want to share with you a passage of Scripture that addresses this very, very clearly. One time when Jesus was teaching, um, he was teaching on money, which he did frequently. He, he shared some, some, uh, a concept that maybe you've heard before where Jesus said, hey, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths can destroy them and rust can corrode them, but you need to store up your treasures in the, and, and, right where God is. And so he was talking about that and, and communicating that concept, and, and he, was, he shared this understanding. He said, because wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. There your desires are going to be connected, our emotional connection to the things either that we have here on earth or our investments that we're recognizing in heaven. And here's why I share this. Because the next verses, here's what he says in verse 22. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness how deep that darkness is. 
Now, the reason I share this is because he was talking about treasures, right? Treasures in heaven, treasures here on earth. And then it appears that he's changing topics, doesn't it? If we look at this, all of a sudden he, he starts talking about our eyes and talking about light. Let's continue. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Here's what I want to communicate to you. He did not change subjects at all. He did not change all of a sudden talking about treasure, then talk about eyes, and then talking about, you know, masters in slavery. He was teaching about our eyes regarding possessions, our eyes in the things that we have, seeing the things that we want, looking at the things that we currently have. Because when you go back to the original language, some of, some of the words in there actually are related to being stingy and being greedy and the possessions. And that's what happens when we don't give. We become self-centered and selfish and greedy. And our eyes get focused on what we have or what we don't have and what we want. And that's when the corruption comes in our life and it becomes like darkness. And the verse that's kind of scary to me is it says that the light that you think you have is actually darkness. That puts me on my heels a little bit. Like that's Jesus coming at us with a strong word saying, hey, what is it that you're focused on, that you're looking at, that you're desiring, that you're long, longing for? Because what you think might be good might actually be the enemy. And some of us, unfortunately, we justify things that we have and that we want. And sometimes that gives this darkness that Jesus is talking about. Because in our lives, whatever we are like before we had money, right? Some of you are affluent, and that's great, and that's amazing. But whatever you were like before you had money... It is only magnified when you actually have finances and resources. And this is so true. So if you're a jerk and you don't have money, when you have lots of money, you'll be a big jerk, like a really big jerk. And, and you'll be rude to other people and, and you'll be very demanding. But if you're a giver when you don't have much, then when you do have much, they have a beautiful word for it called a philanthropist. It just warms your heart. But if you have a temper... When you have finances, it will become rage and offense. If, you, if you're kind towards other people, when, when, you, when you move towards this area of wealth, you'll be able to have incredible compassion on other people and provide for them. If you have marital issues when you don't have much, when you do, your, your, your marriage will be volcanic. And so if you're stingy at the beginning you will be greedy when you have a lot. And so what this comes down to really is our character, our character regarding finances. And so when we don't have the character to handle or manage wealth, it'll destroy us. I mean, character is the moral integrity with who we are. And so we need to understand the fact, the reality that God owns it all. 
Okay, God owns everything that you and I think that we have. And here's what's interesting. God is actually the one who decides who gets what and how much. He's the one that decides that. We don't decide that. But when he gives us the things that we have, we are absolutely responsible for managing them, for taking care of them, for what he gives to us. So the car that you think is yours, that you love to wash and wax and drive around, and you feel like a stud when you're driving to work in it, because it rumbles a little bit at the stoplight, and when you stomp on the gas when it turns green, like that car is actually God's. The house that you live in, whether it's a one bedroom, one bath, or you're renting, or you know you have a nice home, like that house is the Lord's. He's the one that gave it to you. He's, he's the giver of, 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 of every single good gift. The business that you own, the business that you manage, the business that you lead, that's God's. God is the one that gives you the opportunity to do that. Even your dog, your dog is not yours. Like your dog is God's. Like are you, he's the one that created it. So, so when we acknowledge that everything that we have, all the things, everything is God's, what happens is that prevents us from getting emotional and connected to the stuff, like our eyes, the, the things that we see, our possessions, our heart. Because let's be honest, when you rent a car from a rental company, you drive it different than a car, than your own car. It's easier to drive somebody else's car, especially a rental. It's easier to spend somebody else's money, isn't it? If somebody gives you money to spend like that, that that's easy. Like, are you kidding me? That, no problem. And... It's easy. That's easy to give other people's money away, isn't it? I mean, let's just be honest. Like somebody gives you money, you're like, that's easy to give away. But if we take ownership of that money and we think it's ours, it's more difficult to give away. Let me give you a very practical example. I need two volunteers. I won't embarrass you, just two. Come on up real quick. Just boom, right here. I got some people in the front. Come on up, right? Come on. It's okay. It'll be all right. All right, I got one in the back. Need one more. Like, yep, thank you so much. Come and stand right here. Everybody give it up for our volunteers that are coming forward. Hey, what's up? I'm Aaron. Andrew. Nice to meet you, Andrew. I'm Aaron. Eric, Andrew, awesome. All right, so here's what I want to share with you. This is just, this is uh, my most costly visual aid ever. So I've got a thousand dollars, a thousand in cash right here. Aren't you glad you volunteered? Like, what's up? Come on, you guys are, we're missing out. All right, I do want this back, sorry. <laughs> Nicole told me, she's like, honey. Um, so, Here's the deal, right? Thousand bucks, right? Hundreds, twenties. Here you go. It's awesome, isn't it? You're like, wow, I did not expect that to happen. And so I'm going to give you that thousand dollars, but I want you to give one hundred dollars to him. Just give him a hundred dollars. Now, let's be honest. That was easy, wasn't it? Because you, like, two seconds ago, you did not know what was going to happen. I put a grand in your in your in your hand, and you're like, sweet. I still got nine hundred. He's got a hundred. I got more than him. But it, like, there's something about it that's just different because I gave it to him and then he just hands it off. Like it's so quick, it's rapid, that there's no time for emotional tie. Awesome, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. you. Guys clap for our volunteers, that's awesome. So here's what I need you to get. When we do it right away, there is no time for us to get emotionally involved right? For us to, to try and take, like, let's say, 
But if we wait a little while, like let's say that, that young man who stood here and I put the thousand bucks in his hand, let's say I let him hold on to it for a week. And I said, hey man, you know, come back next week and, and I'm going to have you give one away. He might not show up, <laughs> right? And here's what happens. When we hold this in our hand and we hold on to it for a little while, we like how it feels. And then what happens is our fingers begin to close in a little bit and we get the grip gets a little bit tighter. And then to say, well, I, I, want, I want you to give just one of those Benjamins. Just, just give, give one away. Uh, I don't know if I want to do that. God absolutely sees our intentions and our motivations and our heart in our life. We are completely vulnerable and exposed to him. And that includes our finances as well. He absolutely sees what we think and what we feel and how we handle our money and how tight the grip has become. And so if we're generous, if we give, if we handle it well, those are all wonderful and amazing things. If we make good financial biblical decisions, God delights in that. He delights in that. Like he loves people who give cheerfully. So having wealth is absolutely a responsibility, a high responsibility. Managing what God gives to us and puts in our hands is extremely important. We need to be teaching our kids what it's like. You know, put $1,000 in your kid's hand and say, what would you do with this? You know, get it all in ones. Like I've heard amazing stories of, you know, of dads like cashing their, ca their, their, their check and getting it all in ones and stacking it on, on the table and saying, what, what do you think we should do with this? And of course the kids go, well, buy a PlayStation, buy me a convertible. I'm 16 next month. You know, we, we begin to think of all these amazing things, right? What if we taught our kids what it is to be generous, to give, to manage well, to make incredible decisions? What if we taught our grandkids the same thing? How are you going to handle it? What if we showed them and took them on an excursion or a field trip where we were able to give to others who are in need to help others that are less fortunate and let them be involved and let them feel what you and I feel. We know what it feels like. You guys have probably heard of this, the Good Samaritan, right? It's, it's a worldwide story. It's from scripture. It's biblical. So there's this man who's the Good Samaritan. He's traveling down the road. He sees a guy who's on, on the side of the road who, who, was, who got beat up. He got mugged, right? And one person passes by. Another person passes by. Both of those were religious people. And then the Good Samaritan comes by and he has compassion on him. He picks him up, put, puts him on his, you know, his horse, and he takes him to the, you know, the next hotel. And, and, and he pays for him to be cared for and taken care of because he's... You you know, he's traveling somewhere. He's got a destination he's got to go to. But here's what we need to understand. The good Samaritan would not be remembered if he didn't have money in his pocket. Poor people can't feed poor people. You and I are called to be the good Samaritan, to be generous, to give. And so how are you doing with managing and getting rid of debt, managing God's money he puts in your hands, saving, being generous. How are you doing with that? 
One of the questions I have used in previous money messages that I will use again because I just, I love the understanding of it is if I were an investor and I was going to invest in your personal finances, how would you convince me that I should do that? If I were a shark on Shark Tank and you were showing your personal finances, your budget, your spreadsheet, your portfolio, how much you give, how much you don't, where you're at, your possessions, would you convince me that I need to invest in you? Because how you handle your finances. And for some of you, you're going, yes. And for others of us, we're going, ooh, not so much. And so I want to close with one final scripture for you. This is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. All that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. And so the simple principles, the simple points that I've given you, the scripture and the stories and the examples have laid out a biblical framework for handling wealth. What are you going to choose? You absolutely get to make an incredible decision today. And so I want to go ahead and take this time. I want to pray. If you're married and as your pastor, like I love you and I want you to have this and experience this. And so if you're, a, if you're married and your couple or your spouse is next to you, if you could go ahead and grab their hand. I just want to pray a blessing over you. And, and so just if you are, are looking to God for resources, now's the time. Like, let's go to him. And so let's, let's bow our head and let's close our eyes and let's pray. Lord God, we come before you. And Father, we absolutely recognize that you are the one that's in control and owns everything. And so, Father, I pray for those of us that need to make an adjustment, that you would encourage us, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit like never before, that we would be able to make these adjustments and changes because we need to, and we know it. And Lord, that you would be in it and do something amazing. Lord, we glorify you. And we praise you. Thank you so much, Lord. I speak it out right now for those that are in debt, that are going to take steps forward to get out of debt. More than a minimum payment to be set free. The bondage is broken, Lord. I pray that, Lord, in Jesus' name, that incredible things would take place. Father, for managers to, to, be, uh, to, to get raises, Lord, for workers, for employees, for, for those that work for, for an hourly rate, wage would get raises and experience you, Lord, and with that, that they would do an incredible job managing well. For owners of business, that they, that they would see prosperity come because of their ownership, because of their willingness, because of their generosity, because of what you've put in their hands. Lord, I pray for couples, for marriages, that we would be able to manage well wealth, the, the responsibility that you give to us to provide for our family, to buy groceries. Lord, I pray your anointing like never before. Lord, I pray breaking of the bondage that we be set free to live in freedom for you. 